Welcome to the online ministry of Grace Baptist Church. I'm so glad you could join us today. Have you ever noticed how relatable and encouraging the Old Testament can be? That might sound really odd to some, but just think about it. David and Goliath. How often do people reference that story? That the little guy can beat up the giant. Or Daniel and the lion's den. You may feel surrounded, but you can make it out. The sufferings of Job, the strength of Samson, the parting of the Red Sea. Christians and non-Christians alike recognize the power of the Old Testament. Those ancient stories can be so relatable, so helpful in defining our situations, our problems, our feelings. They teach us lessons, provide us wisdom, and most importantly, give us hope. Today, I want to introduce to you a lesser-known story from the Old Testament, but it's one that I believe is relatable, that will help us think about and understand our struggles, but more importantly, one that points us to hope in the midst of hardship. Today, I want us to think about the ancient Israelites in the wilderness. That's probably not an Old Testament story you think about a lot. It's a 40-year stretch of time right after the Great Exodus, the amazing moment in Israel's history when God, through his servant Moses, freed the Israelites from bondage in Egypt. It also comes right before the conquest of the Promised Land, that other great moment in Israel's history when God, through his servant Joshua, brought down walls, destroyed armies, all to give Israel their promised homeland. Today, I'm drawing you to the time between those fantastic events, between the exodus from Egypt and the entrance into the Promised Land. I'm drawing you to the story of Israel's life in the wilderness. That's not something we talk about much. For 40 years, the people of Israel wandered in a barren wilderness. This was not a time of plenty. This was not a time of great blessing. Because of their sin and rebellion, they wandered aimlessly, without direction, unable to move on. But when it was finally time to move on, to get out of the wilderness, to finally enter the promised land, they knew they had to face giants. Leaving the wilderness was fraught with uncertainty. The only thing they knew was coming were battles and losses. The land they were promised was filled with enemy forces and strong castles. Life in the wilderness was horrible. They were stuck and aimless. But that's all they knew. Leaving it would be scary. Especially if you know leaving it means hardships, new battles, and new potential for loss. Does any of that sound relatable? As we approach the end of the year and reflect, can you relate to being stuck in the wilderness? Perhaps that might be how you describe these last two years of the pandemic. Your life has been on hold. You haven't been able to do the things you wanted to do. But now, with the end maybe in sight, you're worried about the new challenges you'll have to face. You've gotten used to pandemic life. But that's just one example. Maybe you felt like Israel in the wilderness when you consider your relationships. You're stuck in singleness. You're trapped in a job you don't love. You're living in a society where you don't see goodness and justice. And while you might see paths out of the wilderness, you might see opportunities to get out, you're scared. Why? Because you're used to the wilderness. It's all you've known for a long time, and leaving it means uncertainty. It means battles. It means new challenges. So what do we do with that? Ancient Israel in the wilderness probably feels relatable on some level. If we're not there now, we've been there before or might be there soon. So what now? What do we do? 
Well, well, we do what ancient Israel did. As ancient Israel suffered in the wilderness and struggled with fears of leaving it, Moses told them a story. A story of a father blessing his son. A story of promise that spoke to their hardship and fears in the wilderness. He told them a story that's actually a story of Christmas hope. So right now, we're going to lean into that same story. It's the story of Jacob, one of the ancient patriarchs of Israel, blessing his son, Judah. Over 400 years before Israel entered the wilderness, Jacob said these words to his son, Judah. He blessed him and made him a promise that one day from his line, one of his descendants would be a great ruler. Moses repeated these words to provide hope to Israel in the wilderness. They could hope because a king in the line of Judah was coming. We're now going to look at those same words today so that we might have hope when we're living in our wildernesses. At Christmas, the first Christmas, that ruler in the line of Judah finally came. That's a big deal. That's a game changer. Let's talk, let's talk about it. Follow with me as I read Genesis 49, 8 to 12. Genesis 49, 8 to 12. Hear the words that Jacob said to his son Judah. Hear the words that Moses told to the people of Israel to give them hope. Hear the words which help us understand the hope Christmas gives as we face the wilderness. Genesis 49, 8 to 12. Judah, your brothers shall praise you. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's cub. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He stooped down, he crouched as a lion. As a lioness, who dares rouse him? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until tribute comes to him, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. Binding his foal to the vine and his donkey's colt to the choice vine, he has washed his garments in wine and his vesture in the blood of grapes. His eyes are darker than wine and his teeth whiter than milk. So here we have the words of Jacob blessing his son Judah. Why would Moses tell this story to the Israelites in the wilderness? How would this ancient promise provide hope to them? Why should this ancient story provide hope to us? Well, here's the message for anyone in the wilderness, whether ancient Israelite or us today. When you're in the wilderness, there's hope in the line of Judah. In the line of Judah, we have a conquering lion, an eternal king, and the blessing of the nations. Let's break it down, let's see how and why, and let's start with verse eight. Judah, your brothers shall praise you, your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons shall bow down before you. While Jacob was speaking directly to Judah, understanding the nature of ancient blessings, we know that Jacob is speaking about the line of Judah. Essentially, Jacob is saying, one day, Judah, my son, from your line, your descendants will come a ruler, a ruler that all the sons of Israel, all the people of Israel will praise and bow down before. Jacob blesses his son and tells him that one of his descendants will be the praiseworthy ruler of Israel. 
to the people of Israel hundreds of years later during the time of Moses, wandering in the wilderness, that would have been such a sweet-sounding, hope-filled promise. After 40 years of aimlessly wandering the wilderness, stuck outside of the promised land, now faced with the uncertainty and battles that came with leaving it, they knew a praiseworthy ruler was coming. From the line of Judah, a a ruler worthy of their praise would come. For an aimless, stuck people facing new challenges, that's one powerful promise. But what about us now? We also get stuck in the wilderness. We can also be trapped feeling aimless and directionless, scared to move on to face the new challenges that come with moving on. For us, the message is the same. When you're in the wilderness, there's hope in the line of Judah. How? Because from the line of Judah came a ruler worthy of your praise. That's right. Not would come, has come. Thousands of years later, we have the great privilege today of seeing how that promise was fulfilled. The praiseworthy ruler of Judah did come, and he came on the first Christmas 2,000 years ago. When you read the Christmas story in the book of Matthew, when we get the scene with the wise men, the Magi, we hear them repeat an ancient prophecy. Matthew 2.6 And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. The Magi were talking about Jesus. Jesus was the promised ruler of Judah who would shepherd the people of Israel. Jesus is the promised leader who provides direction and hope to those who are stuck in the wilderness and need a way out. When you're in the wilderness, there's hope in the line of Judah. There's Jesus, the leader worthy of all your praise. That sounds nice, sure, but what actually makes Jesus so praiseworthy? This is where our first point comes in, the conquering lion. Look at the middle of verse eight again. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. That sweet little baby Jesus we imagine at Christmas time was born to conquer. Jesus provides hope in the wilderness, is worthy of your praise because he is a conqueror. As the fulfillment of this ancient promise, we know that his hand is on the neck of his enemies. When we look at the kingly Psalms prophesying his return, they say things like, he will shatter kings on the day of his wrath. He will execute judgment among the nations. That's the baby born on the first Christmas. And that's the hope in the wilderness. Jesus, as the promised ruler from the line of Judah, will conquer his enemies, the enemies of God's people. In the time of the ancient Israelites in the wilderness, the assurance of a coming conqueror would have been welcome news. Their major issue was the question of military and war. The reason they were stuck in the wilderness and would have been afraid to leave the wilderness was because the promised land was filled with wicked nations and their powerful armies. This promise, though still a promise for them, would have been a source of hope and courage. They knew they were going to fight a lot of battles to get out of the wilderness. And to stay out, they needed a conqueror to fight for them. And that's exactly what this promise held. The promise of a future victory. A conqueror from the line of Judah who would defeat their enemies. But what about us? Who are our enemies? Who are the foes that keep us in the wilderness? Quite simply, to sum it up, it's sin. 
Whether it's our personal sin keeping us trapped, the sin of our society preventing blessing and leading to injustice, or the sin of our entire human race which led to sickness and death, our enemy is sin. But remember, when you're in the wilderness, there's hope in the line of Judah. As the promised ruler of Judah, Jesus came to defeat sin in all of its forms. Look again at the Christmas story in Matthew. Matthew 1.21 She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Sin, in all its forms, is the enemy that keeps us or puts us in the wilderness. Jesus came to save his people from that. Jesus came to be a conqueror. Where there was one sin, he brings justice, peace, and liberty. In Jesus, we have a praiseworthy ruler who conquers his foes. We have a praiseworthy ruler who has and will defeat sin. But this isn't just a promise of future conquest. Jesus' work has already begun. In the wilderness, we look to Jesus presently because he's the Lion of Judah. Look at verse 9. Judah is a lion's cub. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He stooped down, he crouched as a lion, and as a lioness, who dares rouse him? When Jacob describes the ruler which comes from the line of Judah, he describes a lion. We've probably seen the Lion King. Lions are big, they're majestic, they're cool, they run things. It, it fits, it's a good description. And while that's all true, if we look closely at Jacob's description, it's focusing on one specific image of lions. The lion standing over its prey. The lion you wouldn't dare rouse. To understand the significance of this lion description, to understand the nature of the hope found in the line of Judah, we need to rediscover what lions truly are. Lions aren't the cool characters in kids' movies. They're not the cute big cats we see playing around on YouTube. Lions are ferocious, wild animals. If you want to get an idea of what lions are really like, after the sermon, after, Google the Mapogo Lion Coalition. They have a wiki page, but there's also a documentary about them, and it's called Brothers in Blood. Essentially, in a little over a year, an alliance of six male lions conquered an area of 170,000 acres. To do this, in a year, they killed over 100 other lions. Ruthlessly, with claws and bites, they slaughtered. Lions are, by nature, vicious killers. When Moses told the Israelites the story of Jacob's promise to Judah, that their coming ruler would be a lion, they would find hope. Their ruler, the one who would defend them, the one who would conquer to save them, would fight fearlessly and ferociously just like a lion. He would be majestic, powerful, but also bloody. Just like you don't mess with a lion when it has its prey or it's resting in its den, you wouldn't mess with the promised ruler in the line of Judah. So when we read in Revelation 5.5 that Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah, we should weep no more. We truly have hope in the wilderness. Our ruler, our conqueror is the lion. And he defends us like a lion, a real lion, fearlessly, ferociously, with claws and teeth to the death. As you face anxieties of life, 
fears of uncertainty, the trials of oppression, anything else that comes with wilderness living today, look to the line of Judah. There's hope. Jesus is a ruler worthy of your praise, a conqueror who defeats sin, and a lion who ferociously defends his people. When you're in the wilderness, look to the line of Judah for the conquering lion. But the hope doesn't stop there. Let's turn back to our passage. Continuing in this story, Moses tells the Israelites the next part of Jacob's promise to his son Judah. Verse 10, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until tribute comes to him and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. The hope found in the line of Judah wasn't just for a conquering lion. It was for an eternal king. The hardest part about having a great leader is knowing that they don't last forever. Your understanding employer or teacher will one day retire. That great politician you're so glad to have will one day get voted out of office. That loving parent who raised you well will one day pass away. That was the great fear and anxiety of Israel in the wilderness. Moses, their leader who brought them out of Egypt, who led them to Sinai, who faithfully provided and mediated for them would one day die. If they weren't feeling aimless and uncertain before them, that would definitely do it. Moses is all they knew. How relatable is that? How often do we feel like we're in the wilderness after losing that guiding influence in our life? Whether it's a best friend, a significant other, a parent or a mentor. That's when hopelessness can creep in. That's when it feels like we're in the wilderness, aimless, directionless, stuck. But that's where our passage comes in. Look to the line of Judah for the eternal king. What would have made this story so comforting for ancient Israel is that they had the promise that one day they would not only have a praiseworthy ruler, but a royal, loyal dynasty that would never fail them. In the line of Judah, they would have constant and consistent leadership. They would never again have to worry, what do we do when Moses dies? What happens to us when Joshua falls? What's waiting for us when the judges fail? In this story, they had the promise that the line of Judah would never fail. In Judah, they would have one day a dynasty that would never lose power, never lose authority, and never lose control. That would be a major hope for a people about to lose the only leader they've ever known. And that's the hope that we celebrate at Christmas. In the birth of Jesus, we see the birth of the eternal king, the birth of the leader who will never leave us. To hammer this point specifically, Luke in chapter one of his gospel account, when he's telling the Christmas story, he draws special ad uh, attention to Jesus's identity as the son of David. King David is someone most of us know. He was the greatest king of Israel. He ushered in an era of peace and prosperity. He was a war hero, a conqueror, and he was of the line of Judah. That's critical. As we've been thinking about the story told by Moses about the line of Judah, we need to recognize that in many ways, King David was the initial, albeit partial, fulfillment of this promise. David was nearly everything that we talked about so far. Just, ferocious, faithful. But he sure had his failings. While he was a son of Judah, he wasn't the son of Judah. While he was a king in the line of Judah, he wasn't the king in the line of Judah. 
And that's something we actually see playing out in the Old Testament itself. In 2 Samuel 7, God said to David, And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. His throne wasn't established forever yet, but God promised it would be. We get more information when we turn to Psalm 132. The Lord swore to David a sure oath from which he will not turn back. One of the sons of your body I will set on your throne. So God promised that one of David's sons, one of his descendants, will be set on this throne forever. Who was that son? It wasn't Solomon. While he started strong, he failed miserably. It wasn't King Josiah. It wasn't Hezekiah. They were good kings, but they lived and died. That's where Jesus comes in. In Luke 1, when the angel tells Mary that she'll give birth to a son and she should call his name Jesus, he follows that up by saying, He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his king, of his kingdom, there will be no end. At the heart of that classic Christmas passage, talking about the virgin birth, we find the hope of David's throne. We find the hope of the ancient Israelites. Jesus is the promised king of the line of Judah, the king who sits on the throne of his father David. When you're in the wilderness, there's hope in the line of Judah. Jesus is the leader who will never leave his people. He will never fail his people. He will never abandon his people. The scepter shall not depart from him, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet. His throne is established forever. His rule cannot be undone. When you're in the wilderness, look to the line of Judah. And even if you're not in the wilderness now, still look to Jesus. A quick way to end up in the wilderness is to trust in someone else to be your king, your true guide, your foundational influence. Why? Because they're not eternal. Their throne is not established by God. For good reason or bad, they can leave you, forsake you. But Jesus cannot and will not. He's the eternal king. When a loved one dies, Jesus is still king. When a politician fails you, Jesus is still king. We have one more major theme to cover. One more reason to hope in the line of Judah when we're in the wilderness. From the line of Judah comes the blessing of the nations. Follow with me as I read verses 11 to 12. Binding his foal to the vine and his donkey's colt to the choice vine, he has washed his garments in wine and his vesture in the blood of grapes. His eyes are darker than wine and his teeth whiter than milk. Here's the hope of Israel in the wilderness and it's quite straightforward. Their promised ruler and leader, lion and king, would be wealthy beyond imagination. He will be so rich that instead of rope, he will use expensive vines to tie up his donkey. Instead of water, he will wash his garments in wine. He will eat such excellent food that his eyes will be dark and his teeth white. He will be the picture of royal prestige and splendor. That would be amazing news to the Israelites in the wilderness. But why? While they were slaves in Egypt, their king Pharaoh was wealthy beyond imagination. He certainly had the wealth to throw around money like we see described here. Why would this be good news for them then? 
Why would this be a cause for hope? Likewise, why would it be a cause to hope uh, to know that this perfectly describes Jesus as well? We're told in John's gospel that Jesus, the fulfillment of this promise, has everything. That God the Father has given all things into his hand. How does Jesus being rich, having everything, provide us with hope when we're in the wilderness? When our resources are low, when we're feeling stretched, when we didn't get that promotion, when we didn't get accepted into that school. How does Jesus being wealthy change any of that? The important thing to remember is how Jesus, how the promised son of Judah will use his wealth. In Egypt, the Israelites had wealthy King Pharaoh, but he used his wealth selfishly. He gained his wealth by slave labor and he used his wealth to maintain his slave labor. But as we already discussed, this wealthy king from the line of Judah is the praiseworthy ruler, the conquering lion, the eternal king. He does not exploit people to gain his wealth. Everything he has is rightfully his, given to him by the father, the creator. How does he use his wealth? Not to bless himself, but to provide for his people. Listen to the Apostle Paul's words in Philippians 4.19. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ, the king born at Christmas, is the promised son of Judah. And he uses his extraordinary wealth to supply every need of his people. Not our wants, our needs. Why would this be a source of hope to know that the promised king would be wealthy beyond measure? Because it would be clear that he is not only willing, but able to care for his people. So when we read this promise in verses 11 and 12, that Jesus will be wealthy enough to bind his donkey with vines and wash his clothes with wine, don't get that confused with showing off and flexing his wealth. This is like a doctor displaying their degrees you know you can trust them because you see they have the education. It's like a lawyer wearing an expensive suit. You know they're serious and successful and will do a good job. The claim is that Jesus will defend you and lead you ferociously and eternally. And now we know he'll have the resources to back that claim up. When you're in the wilderness, hope in the line of Judah. Everything belongs to Jesus. He has the wealth and the will to provide for all your needs. Trust in him to do that. But there's one more point here. This promise about Jesus speaks not only about provision for us as individuals, but for the world. Jesus has all the wealth and that's part of God's plan to bless the nations. Going back to Jacob's grandfather, Abraham, God made a covenant a promise that in Abraham's offspring, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. That's a big promise. That through the line of Abraham, all the nations will be blessed. How can this be? Well, the dots start connecting when we turn to Matthew's gospel. The first words of that gospel, right as he dives into the Christmas story, are this. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Jesus, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the son of David who sits on the eternal throne, is also the son of Abraham, the promised offspring who will bless the nations. Ultimately, everything in the world belongs to him. He alone has the wealth to do that. 
And that's a source of hope for us in the wilderness. When we, when we feel stuck looking at the world, seeing suffering across the globe, pandemics, natural disasters, famines, droughts, invasions, civil wars, assassinations, coups. When we see all those things and wonder what is going on with this world, how can we move forward? Remember that there's hope in the line of Judah. According to this promise, Jesus is that promised offspring of Abraham. He has the wealth, the riches to not only provide for his people, but to bless the nations. And that work has already begun. Look at Revelation 21.5. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. As conditions of life improve globally, as infant mortality rates drop, as medicine and technology gets better and better, see the blessing of Christ upon the nations. See the hope that is found in the line of Judah. But don't forget yourself. You might feel trapped and aimless, but believer, see how Christ provides for you. If you're listening to this today, Christ has been faithful to supply your every need. Things might be hard, but you're alive. That's according to his riches and his glory. Rejoice and remember when you're in the wilderness, remember the hope found in the line of Judah. Keep looking to the ruler of Judah who came at Christmas. He's the conquering lion, the eternal king, the blessing of the nations. Throughout this sermon, I have been relying and sort of assuming on two critical connections. Firstly, that Jesus truly is the promised offspring of Judah. And secondly, that this is a key aspect of Christmas hope. In closing, to prove both of those connections, I want to go back to the Gospels of Matthew and Luke. The two books where we find the classic Christmas stories, the angel greeting Mary, the virgin birth, the wise men, and so on. Have you ever noticed that in Matthew, right before that classic Christmas story, he provides a genealogy? Luke does the same thing, but right after the Christmas story. Jesus' genealogy, his ancestry, is clearly key to whatever we're seeking to learn or gain from the Christmas story. And what does that genealogy tell us? Well, let's actually read the genealogy from Matthew. Get, get it open. Matthew 1, 1 to 16. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. And Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez, the father of Hezron, and Hezron, the father of Ram, and Ram, the father of Abimadab, and Abimadab, the father of Nashon, and Nashon, the father of Salmon, and Salmon, the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David, the king." And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah, and Solomon the father of Rehoboam, and Rehoboam the father of Abijah, and Abijah the father of Asa, and Asaph the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat the father of Joram, and Joram the father of Uzziah, and Uzziah the father of Jotham, and Jotham the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz the father of Hezekiah, and Hezekiah the father of Manasseh, and Manasseh the father of Amos, and Amos the father of Josiah, and Josiah the father of Jeconiah, and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. 
And after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shetiel, and Shetiel the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel the father of Abudud, and Abudud the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim the father of Azor, and Azor the father of Zadok, and Zadok the father of Ikem, and Ikem the father of Eliud, and Eliud the father of Eleazar, and Eleazar the father of Mathen, and Mathen the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. That was a lot of reading, but I hope the point is clear. Jesus's genealogy is critical to Christmas. We in the wilderness can hope because of Christmas, because Christmas day, Jesus was born. He is the promised son of Abraham, the patriarch. He is the promised son of David, the king. And as we learn today, he is the promised son of Judah. That means he's the conquering lion. He's the eternal king, and he's the blessing of the nations. When you're in the wilderness, there's hope in the line of Judah. Jesus was born on Christmas. He's Emmanuel, God with us. By his perfect life and atoning death, he has conquered sin. By his resurrection and ascension, he is seated on the eternal Davidic throne. By his riches and glory, he is the Abrahamic blessing of the nations. Like ancient Israel, everyone has to face the wilderness. But how do you hope in those moments? Where do you find the courage to move forward? How do you make sure you end up in the promised land? You need to look to Jesus. True and lasting hope, Christmas hope, is only found in him. For us as individuals and for the world. Turn from your sin, cast your fears and anxieties upon him, embrace him as your ruler, your leader, and your provider. And as you think about Christmas, don't just think about the cute little baby in the cute little stable. Remember the actual story. Embrace the actual hope. Remember what the angel pronounced. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. Let's pray. Father, you gave us these ancient words to provide your people with hope throughout generations. As we read over the blessing of Jacob to his son Judah, we realize that this is the promise of a true and forever king. The promise of a conquering lion, the promise of blessing, not just for us, but for the nations. But we know that in order to receive this blessing, to receive the protection of the lion, to receive the guidance of the eternal king, we need to look to him. We need to trust in him. And as we know from the genealogy surrounding the Christmas story, that king is Jesus Christ. That baby born 2000 years ago in Bethlehem is the promised son of the line of Judah. As we face all sorts of struggles, as we experience life in the wilderness, whether it's because of the pandemic, our work, our relationships, our anxieties, whatever else is going on, Father, help us to trust in the line of Judah. Help us to hope in the line of Judah. Help us to see that Jesus is the conquering lion of the tribe of Judah. Bless us now and help us to join in his mission. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope that this message was an encouragement to you. As you face the wilderness, as you come out of the wilderness, look to the line of Judah. Look to Jesus, the baby born at Christmas. For more messages of hope like this one, please visit us at www.gracebc.ca. Thank you and God bless you.